Zach Wilson suffers an apparent knee injury that casts doubt on his season with the New York Jets. Cameron Smith reportedly will leave the PGA for Live Golf. Fernando Tatis Jr. is suspended for 80 games for failing a drug test. And my case for Major League Baseball division realignment. All ahead on today's episode of Home Field Advantage. Welcome in to today's episode of Home Field Advantage. I hope you're having a great week or weekend whenever and however you may be listening to this podcast across our great country or our great land. My name is Will Highland. It is August 14th, 2022. Going along here throughout the weekend, just wrapping up some things. Watched the Red Sox Yankees last couple nights. Uh, watched some Premier League soccer this morning early, so we are right in the thick of things here in August. But more importantly, I would say we're getting really close to the time in the sports calendar where things pick up a lot in September, October, November, and into the fall. So that's where a a lot of our focus is going to be for the first few minutes of the show. And then I want to introduce, because I, I got to thinking about it this week, I want to introduce my thoughts on... Major League Baseball conference and division, or I should say league realignment slash conference realignment. I think that's something that could be an interesting topic of conversation and something that uh, doesn't really get talked about a lot. Um, I'd say probably because it's pretty unlikely, but I think it's worth giving it the time of day. So I'm going to spend a few minutes on that at the end of the show. First place I want to start, though, is with the NFL and some news that came out Friday and into yesterday was that quarterback Zach Wilson, second year player of the Jets, suffered a knee injury. Early reports said it was a uh, ACL, uh, later was rumored to be a meniscus tear, but either way, it spells trouble for the Jets because, you know, this was supposed to be potentially the year in which um, somebody in Wilson's shoes uh, took took that next step, right, and became a, um, you know, became an ascending quarterback in the league. If you look around throughout much of, if you look around throughout much of recent NFL history, it's the... It's the second-year quarterbacks that end up with the biggest jumps, like Mahomes in his second year, Murray in his second year, Lamar in his second year. All those young quarterbacks that we've seen and the ones that you know Diesel and I talked about recently, um, it's in their second year that they make a big jump. And so that's what maybe a lot of people were expecting this year with Wilson. But, of course, a knee injury, and especially a significant one, um, cast out on the future uh, for him this year. What it also does for me, though, is it casts doubt on his longevity as an NFL quarterback. We all know he's not the biggest kid in the world. He relies a lot on his uh, mobile game. Uh, and for me, it's, it's, it would be a little bothersome. You know, it's a little, it's a little bothersome for, for, uh, for a smaller quarterback who moves out of the pocket. I mean, that's how he got hurt on Friday night. So... I think it, it also cast doubt on his longevity in the NFL. Uh, that's something that Diesel and I talked a lot about a few weeks ago. And I think it's um, it's a valid question 
with uh, Zach Wilson. All right, the other question in the sports world that I believe is valid is how long does the PGA have left? Uh, and, and I don't mean that as if they're going to fold the tour altogether, but I mean how long do they have left to rise up again and sort of take back some of the discussion uh, around the sport away from live? Um, and the answer to that question, in my opinion, is it's, it's expiring fast if it's not already expired. Um, they have lost leverage with their players. It's rumored that Cameron Smith, uh, who recently won the British Open, uh, or as they say, the Open, and came in second or third, I believe, in the Masters. Uh, and I think he had another big tour win earlier on in May. I can't remember the exact tournament. Um, but Cameron Smith is up in the top three, top four golfers in the world right now. Uh, and he is reportedly uh, going to be heading over to join the Live Tour. So the question is, how much time does the PGA have to weather the storm? Are, will they be able to do so at all? Um, I don't think I don't think they will at this point. It, it you know two months ago when we first started talking about it, and you know as you as you know as my listeners, I've been beating this drum for basically all summer. Um, but when when the news started to break, you know the past few weeks, some of these other guys going over, and you see just just the momentum it has and how the uh, how the players on the tour, f- frankly, don't care that they're leaving. Um, I think I think it really has legs uh, more than more so than it did back in June, and and for that reason, I I have a hard time believing that their days uh, as a relevant um, product will continue past this calendar year. Uh, I think as you start. You know, when we get through the Ryder Cup season, which will happen in about six weeks, and we get through um, some of the other, uh, some of the other tournaments, like you know, they're 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 playing the St. Jude um, tournament today. Uh, you know, as we get into the winter, and we start up the new season, is it's going to be hard to drum up excitement for the for the PGA Tour. Um, it just it just will be. I mean, the majors will always have that excitement, um, but the the legs, the legs that uh, the PGA has been standing on for so long are, are starting to crumble a little bit, um, and its status as a relevant tour, um, I believe, is it, in those days are numbered. Um, so we'll we'll see what continues to happen, um, but I. As I said last week, and as I've talked about before, uh, I I don't I'm more pessimistic about the future of the PGA Tour now than I ever have been. All right, moving on here. Other news that broke this week is that Fernando Tatis Jr. suspended by Major League Baseball for 80 games for a failed drug test. He's of course the San Diego Padres shortstop who hasn't played at all really this year and has missed a lot of time due to injury, and now will miss time due to suspension. Um, It makes me question what I was saying last week about the Padres being for real. Um, This seems like a huge distraction, Uh, although they have 
they have played significantly better in the past few days than they had been in the previous week. Um, but I, I, as a baseball fan, it's uh, it's kind of annoying for another one of these stories to uh, come up, especially for somebody who is so young and looked at so highly among uh, the game, the game's followers. So for that reason, I am. I'm skeptical of I'm skeptical about how he'll be able to re, you know respond to this uh, as such a young player who was built up so fast um it seems like his defense is you know right on par with what most people say you know oh I didn't know what entered my body I was taking it for ringworm I didn't know about that chemical I mean there, I don't know how long those arguments hold water anymore, um, especially now with all the education and information that athletes have about what goes into their body. Um, it's it's really hard for the average person to um, believe that, uh, and so for him, even if he is telling the truth, which you know maybe you give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he is. It's still going to be a difficult pill for Padres fans to swallow, for baseball fans to swallow, and for a young player with such a bright future who was hyped up so much, uh, it really does have the opportunity to derail his career. I mean, Ryan Braun was never the same. Um, he was never the same player. Uh, wasn't, you know, whether that was because of not being able to take performance drugs anymore or not, um, you know, he was just never the same guy. And... That could very well happen to uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. All right, but while we're on the subject of baseball, I wanted to get into my theory on division realignment shortly after I finished those three headlines. So obviously the Zach Wilson, the Cameron Smith, and the Tatis Jr. news uh, was pretty important to get to prior to my theory on MLB division realignment. Uh, But let me explain to you where this comes from. I've been watching, I probably watched more baseball in the last four days than I had in the previous two weeks. Um, you know, just the way that my, you know, my personal life's been and the summers are always busy and, you know, you're doing stuff on the weekends and everything else. But I had an opportunity to watch a significant amount of baseball, uh, starting with the Field of Dreams game and, on Thursday and then sort of morphing throughout the weekend. And one thing I noticed is that the the excitement around the sport is still there. I can see that the TV networks still do a really good job with these national events. Um, I also want, you know was watching a lot of the Little League World Series, which has been on. But I think that baseball needs to baseball needs to find a way to become more tribal. And what I mean by that is some of these other sports, the fanatics are uh, really, really intense, uh, really, really excited about each individual game. And baseball sort of just becomes a slog when there's 162 games um, dating from basically Easter all the way through uh, into September and October. It, it becomes it becomes a slog, especially this time of year when there's not a lot else going on. 
And so therefore, it loses some of that fervor and excitement, and it really takes like a Red Sox-Yankee game, like like what's been going on earlier this weekend, or a um, one-off game like the Field of Dreams to really drum up that uh, sort of national spotlight on baseball. Um, I also think that it would it would benefit MLB to have the Field of Dreams game if they're going to continue to do it, which I believe they will. If they have that on a night when there's no other games, um, I think that would certainly help, uh, similar to what we've seen the National Hockey League do with the Winter Classic or what we've seen with um, the NFL and having like Monday night football or Thursday night football. Is right. They, they isolate these games away from the slate, um, which helps draw a national audience. So that's some of the other stuff. What I think can be a tool to achieve this is division realignment because the closer divisions are, uh, geographically speaking, uh, it's been proven that rivalry is the number one the number one factor in a rivalry in sports or in anything is geography. So if you keep teams closer together, um, decrease travel costs on the average fan, then you have uh, more opportunities for um, you know cross pollination of uh, of fans in a particular area, and therefore the excitement goes um, up. That's you know not necessarily groundbreaking psychology. Um, that's sort of an observation, and you know things I've. Things I've accumulated over time, uh, in you know, in my understanding of of human behavior. So, with that, if you structure the divisions in baseball in a way that is similar to the NFL, and you introduce the sport into markets that absolutely want um, a major league baseball team, then you have a formula for better excitement and sort of this. This intensity that's been captured in recent events like the All-Star Game or the Field of Dreams game or anything else, the playoffs, and you hopefully can dilute some of the, or perhaps that's the wrong word, but you can uh, decrease some of the boredom and complacency that comes with a 162-game schedule. So that's the background, and where I come from that. Um, is adding a team in the American League and the National League to bring the total to 32 rather than 30, and then have four divisions of four teams each in those two leagues still. So you still keep American League, still keep National League. I think that's uh, very, uh, very critical for the longevity of the sports uh, is still having two leagues that feed one pennant winner for the World Series. And I also think it's important to honor where, where it came from. So with that, I have a re- revised Major League Baseball division realignment for the National League and American League. So the first place I'm going to start is the American League East for obvious reasons. Uh, Not only is it the home of the rivalry that I just talked about with uh, the Red Sox and Yankees, but it's also, I just 
had to start somewhere and it's close to home and so we're moving uh closer to farther uh, as i go through this so obviously american league east you want to preserve the red sox Yankee rivalry what would else what else would be the point of realigning divisions for the sake of intensity and then getting rid of the best rivalry in sports so we have the Red Sox and Yankees in the American League East still, and then you still have the Blue Jays and the uh, Orioles in the division. Uh, those round out the four teams. A lot of people have talked about the Rays moving to Montreal and this and that. Even the Rays themselves have, have advocated for that. So I do have a secondary scenario where the Rays stay put, um, become the Expos, and then you get rid of the uh, Orioles and move them elsewhere, which... I'll, I'll explain later. All right, and then you have, uh, so that would be considered the AL East. Uh, then I would move to what I would consider to be well, you could call that the AL North, and then have the AL South, but it, and then a Central and whatever. But for the sake of this, I'm going to still continue to call that the American League East. All right, then I have what I would consider to be the American League uh, Central, uh, which is doesn't look much different than the American League that uh, we have right now, the American League Central we have right now. You have the Guardians, the Tigers, the Twins, and the White Sox. They continue where they are. And then you have the what I would call now the American League South, which would be the Rangers, Astros, uh, a new team in San Antonio, Texas. I think that would be a great place for a baseball team. The missions have done well that, down there, um, from what I understand, in the Texas League. And then you would have the Kansas City Royals rounding out the American League South. And then I would go to the American League West, where you'd have the Seattle Mariners, Los Angeles Angels, and Oakland Athletics still. Um, the Rangers have now, the Rangers and Astros are no longer in the West. They create, they help create that new American League South along with the uh, Royals who are no longer in the Central and the expansion team from San Antonio. What you would add in the American League West is you would bring the Arizona Diamondbacks over from the National League. So you would take the Arizona Diamondbacks from the National League and bring them to the American League. Um, now that both, now that both leagues have the designated hitter, and that Arizona isn't necessarily a team with a, what I would consider to be a long history, um, considering they weren't really around before the 1990s, they would find their way um, over to the uh, American League from the National League. All right, so that rounds out the American League. Now you might be wondering, okay, we added a team from San Antonio. We brought in Arizona. Who left? All right. Well, the Rays, Tampa Bay Rays, have now moved, in my world, over to the National League and become part of uh, what I would call the National League South. So the National League South has the Miami Marlins, the Atlanta Braves, the Tampa Bay Rays, who would then have a pretty good geographic rivalry with uh, Miami. We've seen how that rivalry has budded in hockey. Uh, it's never really gotten the chance to bud in football because the Buccaneers and uh, Dolphins are never really good at the same time in modern history. But uh, in 
in this sport, in baseball, this would be a great opportunity to resurrect, really, in my opinion, two fan bases that are way too dormant. Uh, I mean, the Rays and the Marlins, I mean, that those ballparks are never full. If you put them in the same division together, you move the Rays over to a different league, um, you have them play a lot against one another in a year, at least, I think they're going to... I know they're going to start to decrease the amount of divisional play in, in future years, but just having them in a pennant race with one another potentially uh, would help. And then the fourth team in that division would be an expansion team in either Nashville, Tennessee, or in Charlotte. I think both of those cities have AAA franchises that um, are among the best in attendance uh, in the International League every year. And for that reason, I think that they would be strong additions to a major league, um, you know, a major league circuit, especially when you take into the account that both of those cities have NFL teams. Um, they both have National Hockey League teams and they uh, one of them has a NBA franchise. So the, it's not like those teams don't have any uh, experience in the big four. Um, they're both really good college baseball markets too. If you think about Nashville and Vanderbilt and University of Tennessee being in Tennessee in recent years. So that's a great baseball. There's a lot of great baseball players that come from middle Tennessee as well. Mookie Betts, David Price. And then same argument you can make with Charlotte. North Carolina is a great baseball city, uh, excuse me, baseball state uh, with so many great college programs. Um, and it's really a great region um, for the sport. Uh, so the, that would be my new National League South. We'd still have the National League East, which would look very similar to what it does now. Uh, you'd have the Nationals, the Phillies, and the Mets. Uh, Pittsburgh would come over from the Central and join the National League uh, East. That would create a rivalry with uh, an in-state rivalry with the Phillies that doesn't really get to have the attention it deserves because they're not in the same division. Uh, you would then have the ongoing rivalry that we've had in recent years between the Nationals and the Mets. Um, you would lose a little bit of that Atlanta National League East um, rivalry that you've had with the Braves and some of those teams in recent years. But I think what you gain, you sort of elevate um, a, a, a dormant franchise in the Pirates. Um, and, you know, you try and round it out there. And then you also keep that that Mets Nationals rivalry that has existed um, you know for the last 10 years or so in in there and then of course you still have the Mets and the Phillies and the Nats and the Phillies uh, and all that stuff going on and those teams are all very close geographically um, so I think that would work pretty well all right heading over to the Central the Central looks pretty much the same uh, they've lost the Pirates the Pirates have moved over to the East but you have now the Cubs and uh, Milwaukee, and then you have the Cardinals and Cincinnati. So Central looks pretty similar uh, to how it did before. Um, you're just basically taking a team out of the Central, putting it in the East, and then taking the team out of the East and adding it to the South, along with uh, an expansion team and an American League bringover. Uh, and then, of course, you move the Marlins out of the East as well. So you still, you still wind up with a... Um, National League Central that includes uh, basically the teams that we've seen uh, take take the division in recent years being 
the Cubs, the Brewers, and the Cardinals, and then of course the Reds. Um, you stick you stick the Reds sort of in that central along with St. Louis, Milwaukee, Chicago, where they have been, uh, and you keep that you keep that uh, sort of Rust Belt rivalry going on a little bit there. Um, then we head out finally to the National League West. National League West pretty much looks the same, except you've lost the Diamondbacks to the American League, uh, and you have the Los Angeles Dodgers, the San Diego Padres, Colorado Rockies, and the San Francisco Giants. You keep all three California teams, of course, in the National League and in the same division. And then you have the Colorado Rockies taking um, taking that fourth and final spot. Travel would be a little tough because I believe at this point they would be the only team, and I think they really are the only team in mountain time. Um, but that's okay because the the Rockies would, you know, they would still travel west, um, but, you know, you can very... You, can very well make the case that they haven't uh, they they haven't had much trouble doing that in their franchise history already. So uh, it's not like we needed to move them to the central or the south or anything. That just wouldn't make sense. So basically, you round out each league with four geographically tight divisions. I think these these are as geographically tight as you can get um, without really messing up any of the pre-existing rivalries. Um, or uh, taking teams in the same city and putting them uh, in the same league, uh, if that makes sense. Um, so, for example, we wouldn't put the White Sox and the Cubs in the same league in the same division. Um, so I think this is as airtight as you can get it in that regard. And I also think it preserves current rivalries and creates future ones, which was another one of my goals um, as a result. And, and lastly, I think you add two markets, um, whether it be Nashville or Charlotte or uh, San Antonio. Um, so basically one of either Nashville or Charlotte and then adding San Antonio. I think that makes it great um, too because those are two cities um, in, in baseball regions of the country. A lot of people have talked about places like Omaha or Portland, Oregon. Um, I, I, like where the, I like where their head's at. Uh, only only issue I see with those two cities, and really the only issue I see with Montreal, is there's a, there's a lot of travel involved. Um, I think you put these cities in the middle of the country um, or, you know, in the middle of other uh, places. You know, you add one in the East Coast and then one in the middle of the country. Um, I, I, I do really think that would, that would help um, rather than adding a fourth team, uh, actually a fifth team to the Pacific Coast would be would be hard um, for television and in travel considerations. But I think overall this is a great way to build rivalries, expand uh, expand ones, and then also keep keep a mathematical keeping a mathematical structure that makes sense for postseason play is imperative as well. So in this scenario, I would see the four division winners automatically making the postseason, and then I would see two wild cards. So you still get the six teams that you get right now, um, but you add an extra incentive on winning the division, and with only four teams in each division, 
um, I, I would argue they would become less top-heavy um, than they have been in recent years. I mean, there have been times where teams like uh, the Rockies or the uh, Marlins are out of the divisional race by the All-Star break or by actually by, by Father's Day, right? Like all together out of the playoff race. Um, you know, you would still keep... You would still keep two wild cards, first and second wild card, um, and then you would get you would you would have a fourth division winner. So in this scenario, let's say taking the records the way they are right now, you'd have the Yankees from what I would say the AL East. You would have the Twins from the Central, the Mariners from the West, and the Astros from the South. That's still four teams, and then you would probably add at this point the uh, Blue Jays and probably um, the Twins as the two, sorry, the Guardians as the two wildcard teams, maybe the Orioles or Red Sox. And then what you would gain, though, is in this sort of new National League, a team like the Rays, who is always getting beaten up by the Red Sox and Yankees, they're in a brand new division with an expansion team. They got the Braves, who are a um, stalwart who might be seen as the favorites, but then you got the Miami Marlins who are, um, you know, looking uh, looking to knock on the door of a playoff berth too, just like Tampa, um, you know. And then of course you'd have the Cardinals and the Dodgers still hanging around as division winners, and then the Mets. So you would still get the competitive pennant races that we have right now, but it would be, it would. It would sort of be the best of both worlds. You get the expanded playoffs without necessarily watering down uh, the importance of winning your division. Um, so with all that, I I think that's the best way for Major League Baseball to recapture recapture the pennant race um, because it really has started to become kind of bland. Um, and then you would also have so many opportunities in this new structure for division games being uh, nationally televised um, more so than just the Red Sox and Yankees or the Mets and the Braves. You know what I mean? Like you would have, you would have divisional games among teams. Like, you know, if you developed a rivalry between the Marlins and the Rays, um, that was equal to that of maybe the Panthers or the Lightning in the NHL. Um, you know, that, that would be a good enough rivalry where those sort of teams would have the exposure of playing on, on like Sunday night baseball or a Saturday afternoon game on Fox or anything like that. So I don't know. I'd love to hear what you all think about this. I think that it would be a great thing for the sport. And so for that, I would, um, I would definitely advocate it, advocate for it. But just to go through again, AL East being a Red Sox. Yankees, Blue Jays, and Orioles, AL Central, the Guardians, the Tigers, the Twins, and the White Sox, the West, the Mariners, the Angels, the Athletics, and the Diamondbacks, and the South being the Rangers, Astros, um, San Antonio Missions at this point, I guess is what you'd call them, and then the Kansas City Royals. And then in the National League East, you'd have the Nationals, Phillies, Mets, and Pirates, and then in the South, you would have the Marlins, Braves, a team in Nashville, call it the Sounds or the Charlotte Knights. Uh, and then you would have the Tempe Rays. And then in the National League Central, still having the Cubs, Brewers, Cardinals, and Reds. And the West still having the Dodgers, Padres, Rockies, 
and Giants. Anyway, I think that wraps up my MLB realignment theory. Again, as I said, love to hear what you all think about that. Please drop us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We'd love to hear from you regarding that. Please also follow us on social media as well. You can follow us at HomeFieldPod on both Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com slash HomeFieldPod. I'll be back next week with another edition of the show. I hope you can catch us there. Please subscribe if you haven't already on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts. But until next time, that's going to do it for this episode of Home Field Advantage. You've been listening to the episode on August 14th, and I hope you have a great rest of your week. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite provider, including Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to also check out our other programming on social media and our brand new question and answer program developed under the Sportland USA Podcast Network called Filling Up, which airs monthly. Home Field Advantage, Sporting Advantage, uh, The Morning Advantage, and Filling Up are presented by Sportland USA and the opinions shared with them do not reflect those of any other company, outlet, person, or entity.